Okay, hello. Welcome to the Vocation Hour. I'm Father DeLacy, the host of the show. We have a great show in store for you today and uh, this this blessed uh, February day. Um, we're, we're, we thank God for the, the many gifts that he's given to us, uh, the culture of vocations, the good momentum that he's given to us. And praise God, we received a really powerful gift in Archbishop Perez, who is a native of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. If you haven't heard, he was recently named the Archbishop of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. He's a, a priest of Philadelphia already, so he's got a lot of connections. Already, anyone that knows him is powerfully animated and enthusiastic that he was made the Archbishop. And that just means a whole lot in terms of us continuing the uh, the good momentum and, and things that are happening. So, so coming up at the end of this month, uh, Archbishop Perez will be installed. We thank God powerfully for the gift of Archbishop Chaput for his good leadership. It's, it's been difficult times since he's been in Philadelphia and he's done a magnificent job in leading us and, and we're definitely in a much better place now because of him than we would have been uh, otherwise. So we thank God for the gift of Archbishop Chaput and then we praise God and anticipate just God's powerful blessings with uh, Archbishop Perez. So please pray for both. Uh, and one exciting bit of news too is Archbishop Chaput is staying in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. So I think that's just going to keep us uh, that just that much more dynamic. His amazing teachings will still continue and be part of the life of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. And in addition, we'll have and the other dynamic archbishop in town, in Archbishop Perez and, and his good leadership. So God is so good and he's blessing us in so many ways. I want to share with you um, just one insight that I received on my retreat. I was on retreat a couple weeks ago. Uh, every priest, there's a canonical requirement for us to go on retreat um, at, you know, at least for five days. Uh, sometimes I've done eight-day silent retreats. This year I only got away for five days um, and it was a silent retreat. Had a great retreat director. It was a really powerful moment. And, you know, the the one conference we had was titled, uh, you know, Silence is God's Language, right? And that it's so important for us. And we have, live in such a busy world. Our world is filled with so many distractions. And that the way we tune into God, the way we encounter God, is by entering into silence and trying to create and cultivate a uh, silence in our lives because you know for for many of us and certainly you know for parents it's a different story about your ability to cultivate silence as compared to myself as a priest uh, but even as a priest life is very busy even though we don't have a family necessary right on top of us it's hard to get those times of silence you basically need to you know stay up late at night to get it or wake up early in the morning and and but it's so very important because Silence is the language of God, and if we want to come in contact with him in the most intense way, then we, we definitely want to engage in silence. Another thing that I shared actually in the uh, a women's conference this past Saturday that I was a speaker at, as a, as a fruit of the retreat that I was on, um, is that you know we also encounter our Lord powerfully in the present, and that's where our God is. He's in the present. You know, he's he's eternal which is just it which is just being powerfully in one present right you know like like he's not in the past he's not in the future he's in the present right you know he's now he's he's everywhere you know like like you know what but in terms of our ability to encounter him we encounter him most intensely in the present and and you know one of the retreat directors said in a, in his homily and i forget what book he was quoting but the devil is in the past the devil is in the future but God is in the present, right? Because we tend to walk around with a lot of regret from our past and think about like, oh, I wish I did this this way differently. Oh, I wish I handled this situation better. I wish I capitalized on this opportunity better. So we, we tend to live in a lot of regret in the past. And then also our futures, we can sometimes be very anxious about the future. Oh, like, what am I going to do for retirement? What's my health situation going to look like? What parish am I going to be assigned to? We can oftentimes then like be very anxious about the future. And if we're constantly oscillating between past regret and the future, we're missing the encounter with God in the present. And just to share this, because it was just so magnificent, and, and I've really been kind of like centered on this, you know, we're, we're called then to entrust our past to God's mercy and, and not living regret. The devil wants us to be in regret, you know, but, but just trusting in God's mercy. If we made a mistake, we're sorry, and then just keep, keep moving forward because God loves us and wants to draw us deeply into the present. 
And that we, we want to entrust our future to God's providence. That we know he's going to be there. He, we know we, he loves us intensely. He's going to take care of us so that we can just kind of give him the, the, the future and, and trust in his providence. You know, give him our past and trust in his mercy. And really enter into the present where we can unpack his presence and experience his love and then just be there. So I just offer that too because, you know, I, I haven't really given that a whole lot of thought until this retreat. And I think it's something I'm going to be telling all the men that I'm working with who are in discernment that because really that present encounter with God is really the best encounter with him. And then the best way to, to, to discern uh, what it is that, that God is calling you to by that intense connection with him in that in that that present. Because in, in a very real way, eternity breaks into the present because of the incarnation of our Lord. And and it's that taste of eternity that so obviously makes sense because we're living eternity here in this life, you know, you know, and giving a sign value for that. And so, anyway, I'm going off on getting all excited for for the, the themes of my retreat. I'm not I'm not going to rearticulate my entire retreat, at least in this episode. Maybe in the future you hear another another segment. But we have two awesome, amazing, tremendous, really cool seminarians in the studio here. Um, and so, you know, we we want to have them. Why don't you you men, you know, Randy and Shane, introduce yourself? So why don't you tell both of you mentioned. Um, you know your name, your family, and your um, your parish that you've come come from, and the school, the high school that you went to, and then we'll hear you, we'll get your vocation story in a little bit. So whoever wants to start can jump in. Sure, Father. My name is Randy Kraft. I'm in first theology here at St. Charles, which means I'm in my sixth year out of nine. I'm from Our Lady of Good Counsel Parish in Southampton. Uh, I have a beautiful family with two younger sisters who go to Archbishop Wood. I, however, went to Holy Ghost Prep in Ben Salem. And I've been in the seminary ever since graduating high school. Thanks for having us on yeah, the show today, Father. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm Shane Flanagan. I am from St. Dominic's Parish in Northeast Philadelphia. I am also Randy's classmate in First Theology. Um, I attended Father Judge High School growing up. I'm one of eight kids. And I went to Arcadia University for a year and then entered the seminary following my freshman year of college. Nice, nice. And then, Randy, last week we went to Archbishop Wood High School. What was your sister's reaction when, when you encountered them? Oh, um, my. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, put, I'm just messing with Randy for the studio audience. We, we, we're actually pre-recording right now, so we're about to visit <laughs> Wood tomorrow. So and that was me joking, and then, but I realized, like, I didn't want to put him in a situation where he had to lie, so that's why. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's so wrong. That, I won't throw any other curveballs at you. I'm sure she's very excited to, <laughs> to see us there. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. Anyway, so, but good. Well, men, you, you have wonderful vocation stories. Do, do you guys want to share with us your vocation story? Sure, Father. I, I guess I can start. Like I said, my name's Shane Flanagan, and I grew up in St. Dominic's Parish. Um, I'm one of eight kids, and that's really where my vocation story kind of starts. There's two main aspects. My, my love of my family, coming from that big family, that drove my life for the for up until this point. And my love of basketball. I, I grew up playing basketball. Like I said, I was one of eight kids. And out of the eight, there's five boys. I'm the youngest boy in the family. So I looked up to my brothers who all played basketball, and I wanted to be just like them. I wanted to exceed what they did. Um, and one of them made Father Judge's basketball team, but he could only he only made the freshman team and never got any farther. So my, gro- my goal growing up was I was going to beat him. I was going to be the best basketball player in the family. And I thought that would kind of give me the life that I wanted. It would set me up for the opportunity to maybe play basketball in college. So that meant getting into a good college. And I also, coming from a big family, wanted wanted a big family of my own. And I thought basketball would be the way to get, to achieve that, to, um, to get in that good college, to get a good job following college, to be able to support a family. And that's kind of how I live my life. Um, growing up, I was blessed to have a great uncle who was a priest for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia in Monsignor Frank Mena. Um, so having a priest in the family, being around priests, wasn't a novel concept, but I never really put much stock into it. I thought that my, my life, I'd be happiest if I had a family, a wife and kids, and um, kind of lived that so-called normal life. Uh, and then I, I kind of went to judge with that that thought in my mind and junior year rolled around and I I finally made the varsity uh, basketball team and 
out of all my time at Judge, everyone was saying that this would be the year that we would be, we would be the best team. Um, we would finish in the top five in the Catholic League, which for anyone who's listening who doesn't know, the Philadelphia Catholic League has the honored tradition of being able to go play down in the palestra. And for a kid growing up in Philadelphia who loved basketball, that is like the ultimate goal. It's a dream if you can go down and play at the palestra. And I, I saw that be kind of coming in the view in a real way my junior year. And with everyone talking about how good of a team we were, if we made the top five, we'd only have to win one playoff game, and then I could go play down to Palestra. And that would be really where my, my dreams kicked off, because then I would get to, I would have the opportunity to be able to play in front of big scouts and big college recruiters, and then all the other things that I mentioned previously would kind of fall in line from there. And the season started, and we were we were as good as everyone said we were. We went through the, the non-league schedule undefeated. Um, we were feeling pretty good going into our, our Catholic League opener against Archbishop Wood. And we were supposed to win the game easily. It was supposed to be a kickoff to a great season. And then halftime of that game rolled around, and we were down by probably 30 or 40. It was, it was very, very bad. And we got a... A stern talking to in the locker room and we came out all fired up but it didn't really matter because by the end of the game I mean it was probably the worst loss of my career and I played terribly and my in my 17 year old brain my world was coming to an end everything I I put all my my trust in seemed like it wasn't gonna happen and it was it would be impossible to achieve all the the goals that I wanted and that kind of crushed me but Kind of, there was something special about that game because it, it happened over Christmas, and my mom and dad were both able to come to an away game, which didn't happen very often because my mom was a school teacher in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, and my dad was a Philadelphia firefighter. So with his crazy work schedule, him coming to games was kind of few and far between. But since they were both there, it crushed me even more because, like I, I talked about earlier, I love my family and I wanted to show them that. The sacrifices they made to send me to Father Judge, the sacrifices they made that I could play basketball, Father Judge would be worth it. And I felt like I let them down. So it, in my kind of depressed state, I didn't want to go home with the team. I, I wanted to go home with my parents since they were there because I thought I wouldn't have to talk to anyone. And I got in the car, and my mom, being the good mom that she is, no, noticed that I was upset. And she, uh, she turned around and said, Shane, you're a junior in high school now. Um... We have to start thinking about colleges. We have to start thinking about the SATs. What do you want to do? Because that'll make this process a whole lot easier. And I thought for a moment, and then the only thought that I could have in my mind was, you have to tell her you want to go to the seminary, and you have to tell her you want to be a priest. And that absolutely scared me, because it wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't my life with a family and a good job and a lot of kids and so I kind of stalled for a while, and I, I kind of lied to her and told her I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I spent the next few weeks looking for something that wasn't the priesthood, something that I could kind of get behind that meant I wouldn't have to be a priest. And I found physical therapy as an athlete. I thought it was a perfect fit. I could have my, my big family that I wanted, and I could be around sports, which I loved. And uh, I kind of pursued that. I, I found Arcadia. And I got accepted, and I went for my freshman year. And to be honest, I, I liked my time at Arcadia. I had fun, but deep down there was this unrest. Something was missing, and I knew what that something was. And I knew that it wouldn't go away unless I gave the seminary a chance. So I kind of entered the seminary. I, I met with Father DeLacy. Um, I was accepted. I entered, and in the back of my mind, I didn't know if I would make it all the way through. Um, and those first couple months, I probably, in the back of my mind, was hoping that I wouldn't make it all the way through. <laughs> um, but then as, as my time in the seminary went along, I found that peace that was missing at Arcadia. I found that peace in me that kind of wasn't there when I was trying to do my own thing. And that, that came in coming to understand God's will in my life and understanding the joy that comes through following that will. Um, and... Part of our seminary training for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia is to do what's called the spiritual year. Um, and going into the year, I wasn't too excited about it because 
halfway through, we do what's called a poverty immersion, um, which is we get sent away for a month with a school bag, $50 and a bus ticket uh, to go live and work with the poor. And I, I wasn't excited about that, but that was a great experience. And then the, the year ends with a 30-day silent retreat, which is just exactly what it sounds like. 30 days of silence between <laughs> you, God, and just praying. And that's when everything really kind of started to make sense in my life during that retreat. Like God said in that, or like Father DeLacy said, in that silence, you, you hear God's voice. And my life made sense to me in a way that it never did before. That desire that I had to be a father made sense that I, I could be a, a, a physical father, but God created me to be more of a spiritual father. And that that natural drive I had in me wouldn't be truly fulfilled unless I... I, I pursued the priesthood and I just followed God's call in my life. Um, so that's that kind of brought me to this point and I'm excited to continue following God's call. Wow, well, praise God. And Jay, thank you for sharing your story and, and that's so powerful. It really is, and especially th thanks for uh, the affirmation for the silence and, and for all of our listeners out there, you know, we're all called to do God's will. God wants to communicate that to us and so we should all be finding these ways to engage in silence so that we can come to the clarity, just like Shane did, of what it is that God wants us to do in our lives. That's how we build up a culture of vocations. Well, you're listening to the Vocation Hour. I'm Father Lacey, the, uh, the host of the show. Um, if as you're hearing uh, both uh, Randy and Shane and, and, and something is stirred up um, and, and you're a guy and you're thinking about the priesthood, please don't hesitate to reach out to me and you can get my contact information at the heedthecall.org website. You can also find out great things. We have a few uh, come and see weekends coming up. Uh, at the end of, of February is, uh, is the post high school come and see weekend. And then in the middle of February, we have another high school come and see weekend. So it's, these are great opportunities to come on campus to spend the time in prayer, the time in silence, right? That our own lives don't normally afford us oftentimes. Uh, in order to kind of tune in and God, what are you doing in my life? What are you asking me to do? And God, when we give him the chance, he does speak to us in a very powerful way. Great, Gene. Thank you so much. And uh, Randy, do you want to share with us your vocation story? Sure, Father. I wanted to just say first thanks to Shane for that awesome story that was really powerful. I think my story is kind of similar to Shane's in a number of ways. Uh, for one thing, you know, I also grew up in a devout Catholic family and I went to Catholic school my whole life. My parents took us to Mass every Sunday. Uh, I was an altar server in my parish. I was involved in a number of ways in my parish. And just kind of like there growing up, I think the seed was planted of God calling me to the priest where, you know, serving Mass and helping out in the life of the parish, I was able to see the priesthood and able to see priests as just normal, real people who are living out God's call in their lives. You know, I was able to see that the priest is not just like a, a robot, a sacrament robot who shows up to Mass on Sunday, says the Mass, and then, and then leaves. Um, I was able to see that, you know, the life of a priest is something that, for whatever reason at this time, I saw as kind of attractive. I saw it as, you know, this is something I could see myself doing, even though at that time I didn't really know why. And, and also at that time, I think, you know, my faith was really kind of an external reality. What do I mean? By, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean that I kind of went through the motions a lot. Um, I never really prayed. Going to mass was just kind of an obligation that I had to fulfill, and so you know I didn't really have that interior relationship with God, but rather I was just kind of doing what I had to do. And so I saw the priesthood more as like just a career among other careers, and I didn't really see it as the call and the vocation that it truly is. I remember though that all of this really changed for me when I had one powerful experience. Um, I remember when I went to high school, I, I kept up with uh, helping out as an altar server at my parish. And I remember very, very vividly um, serving mass at the Easter vigil at my parish when I was a sophomore in high school. And it was kind of, kind of uh, a coincidence that this came about because, you know, I, I never really wanted to volunteer for this or sign up for this because the Easter Vigil is it's about two or three hours it's the longest mass of the year and also you know not that I knew this at this time but it's the most solemn and the most important mass of the whole year when new adult Catholics are brought into full communion with the church uh, nevertheless 
you know, I, I for whatever reason, I kind of got volunteered into serving this mass. I didn't really want to be there. I just wanted to go home and do something else with my time. But despite my hesitancy and despite my not really wanting to participate, not really wanting to be there, God was able to work through that hesitancy and through that kind of, you know, fear or, or whatever emotion I was feeling at that time. And I remember just being at that mass, serving at the altar, having a sense of clarity in my heart that I had never felt before, a clarity of knowing that God is real, God is here, God loves me, and God is calling me to do something with my life. God is calling me to do something with my life. And accompanying this just awareness of God's presence was an intense feeling of joy and peace in my heart. A joy and a peace that I really had never felt before. A joy and a peace that don't fade away after a while, but a joy and a peace that remain. A joy and a peace that lead to a sense of fulfillment of knowing that, you know, God who is and who made me and who loves me is here and he's calling me into a relationship with him and I need to respond to this call. And so from that moment onward, from that, that Easter vigil onward, I really began to take seriously my relationship with God. I really started to pray for the first time in my life. And I didn't really know how to pray. And I would just say this one simple prayer every day. I would say, Lord, you know, I know that you're real. I know that you're calling me to something. What is it that you want me to do with my life? Because I want to feel that joy and that peace all the time. This is what you want to give me. And I, I, want, I want to receive it from you. And I want to choose to love you back. And I just remember, you know, going back to that earlier experience in my life of seeing the priesthood as, you know, a, a real possibility, seeing the priesthood as something that in a mysterious way kind of just attracted me. Um, it just became clear that when I would pray about being a priest, when I would think back on those experiences, God would, would give me that same sense of peace and joy in my heart. And that was really him confirming for me that, Yes, this is the, the path that I want you to walk. This is my will for you. And, you know, to, to echo what Shane said and to echo what Father said about silence, you know, it was only in the silence of listening to the Lord that I was able to discern that call. You know, sometimes when I pray, it's like I'm just, I'm talking and I'm talking and I'm talking. I'm saying, God, what do you want? What do you want me to do? Help me with this. Help me with that. But do I ever be quiet? Do I ever allow God in the silence to answer me? And what I found is that when you do give that space, that silent space to God, he will answer you. And he'll answer you within your own heart, with the feelings, the desires that well up within your soul. And he'll also answer you through external things as well, maybe through a friend who might say, you know, you'd make a really good priest. And that would happen to me. You know, my family members, people in my parish, priests that I know would tell me, you know, I think you would make a really good priest. Mm. And, you know, it might be tempting to brush that off as just a coincidence, but taken together with the knowledge that God is always trying to reveal himself to us, that God loves us and is always trying to tell us what his will is for us, you know, it's clear that that is God answering my prayer. And so just in this gradual way, I was able to see that the joy and the peace that God was placing on my heart, coupled with, you know, people I, I cared about telling me I would make a good priest, and coupled with just giving God that, that time in prayer and in silence, to reveal himself to me. That's how I really discerned that God was calling me to be a priest. And so I entered the seminary right out of high school. It was really clear to me that that's what God wanted me to do. And, you know, here I am, Father, six years later, and, you know, I'm still, I'm still just as joyful and as peaceful as, as I was back then. And God is, is revealing himself to me more and more and just showing me what he wants me to do with my life, how I can get to heaven and bring as many people there with me as I can. And so, you know, I'm, I'm going strong and I'm happy that I was able to discern my vocation in that way and that God was, was willing to reach out and, and show me what his will was for my life. Perfect, perfect. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing that. Very powerful. And, and so the, there's, there's always these consistent themes of, you know, silence and the impact God has and the power of an, of an invitation. Well, I'm Father Lacey. I'm the host of the show. You're listening to Heath, or you're listening to the Vocation Hour. Um, any details that uh, 
you need from from this, including hearing a version of both Shane and Randy's vocation story. You can find that on Heed the Call, as well as the vocation stories for the other Philadelphia seminarians. Very dynamic. And and as Randy mentioned about you know him responding positively to that that invitation that which which was was challenging, but it, it's it's it God used that in a very powerful way. Well, God continues to use. The power of the invitation so that's why it's important for us to invite young men to consider the priesthood women to consider religious life i'm inviting all of you listening you know we have a very dynamic gathering that we're calling celebrating mary's yes the the the, the date will be on march the 25th the the solemnity of the annunciation where because of mary's yes the second of the person of the trinity became man while remaining god and that because of that the church started, the sacraments were given, the gates of heaven were opened up. What if Mary said no, right? Like it's, it would be unthinkable that she would say no because she's the Immaculate Conception. She's full of grace, but you know, she truly had a free choice. And what if she said no? Well, that would not be good for us, certainly. And God did everything in his power to ensure that she would say yes. And praise God, she said yes. So we're celebrating Mary's yes uh, by gathering to pray the rosary at seven different locations throughout the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, and then to hear about a new and dynamic initiative of fostering vocations and getting lay people engaged and mobilized and trained on how to effectively foster vocations. Sarah International is the group that we're, we're going to be feeding into. They're a dynamic group. They've been here in the Archdiocese uh, since the 1950s. They were very dynamic in the 60s and 70s, and then they've kind of stagnated over the years a little bit. But now they have been re-energized. They have a, a very compelling vision on how to perform vocation work by starting parish-level vocation committees. And so in order to make these things happen, we're trying to recruit as many people as we can to start several new uh, Sarah clubs. And so we're praying for people to, to pray about that. It would be a monthly commitment um, as, and then doing whatever work uh, that needs to be part of it. You'll be trained in the process. So you may be saying, well, I don't feel qualified for that. And it's bumper sticker theology. I've mentioned it before. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those who he calls. And so if you're feeling a prompting, it's very similar. This is We're actually asking people to take this on as a vocational work. If, you know, If you're married, that's your primary vocation. But you might be able to be married and do this too at the same time. This would be then a secondary vocation. Deacons out there can sign up, religious can sign up. I don't think priests can sign up per se, but we can certainly be chaplains or, or, or co-chaplains and that type of thing. So anyone that's listening, if you're interested, step up. But certainly come to Mary's Yes on March the 25th at 7 o'clock. And, and we're asking all of our listeners to invite others. So we ask you to invite, to remind, and be bold and try to get as many people as you can to March the 25th so that we can give glory to God through the rosary and that we can be formed by Mary's yes to respond to God's will in our lives. If we do that more effectively, then we're going to see a culture of vocations flourish. And then we can hear how, how our lay folks, which is the, the most important and the biggest part of the church, if we don't rely on our lay folks to foster vocations, we're never going to see the number of vocations that we need in any part of the church. And so we desperately need you. Let me say it again. As the laity, we desperately need you because the priest and religious and the deacons, we can't do it on our own. We need you. And we, I ask you to say yes to this great initiative. Well, God is so good. We have in our studio audience here, or our studio, they're not the audience there. But we have our studio here. Um, and so we, we have two great dynamic seminarians, and uh, you know they just share with us uh, their vocation story. Very beautiful, you know. So is it? Would you guys agree with this statement? Is it safe to say that the two of you would represent the best two basketball players at St. Charles <laughs> Seminary? Is that is that fair enough to say? Uh, I I don't know about that. At least for Philadelphia, I think we're the best two for Philadelphia. I, I would that's say fair. that. That's that's fair. That's fair. Okay, that's maybe fair. not at the seminary. So. That's fair. Okay, okay, well, um, so it shows that, you know, we, we have two basketball players in our midst here. I'm a basketball player, so three in our midst. Um, but, you know, so we need more basketball playing vocations, too. Not to, <laughs> that's, a, that's an important aspect out there. So, so we take all kinds. So if you don't play basketball, please still come forward. Please, 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 right? 
But if you're thinking about the priesthood and you play basketball, please give it extra uh, consideration. Anyway, I'm such a mess. I, I hope uh, I hope the new archbishop doesn't listen to. <laughs> anyway, so you know the the seminary is a powerful time of of formation. Um, and and could you guys describe you know what has been um, something of of growth that you've experienced during your time here at the seminary? Development of skills or development as a as a person that type of thing, and then. But, you know, without sharing anything, you know, too personal, obviously, um, you know, what's been something that has challenged you during your time here at the seminary? Uh, well, I, I think for me personally, I, um, it's kind of fits both areas that you just uh, talked about. Was uh, I entered as kind of a, a shy, shy kid. Um, I didn't like big groups. I didn't like talking in big crowds. I liked kind of keeping myself and... Um, Part of my formation here has been the conscious effort to kind of come out of my shell and to get more comfortable speaking in front of people because at part of part of a priest's uh, job is to preach on Sunday, so you got to kind of step out of yourself. But even to go beyond that and just be more kind of sociable and open to people. And um, through the, the fraternity that we have here at St. Charles with the other seminarians and the, uh, the priests, uh, I've kind of worked on that. And I, I feel like I have kind of come out of my shell and been... More, more of a more of a dynamic presence in these last few years than I was six years ago when I entered. Great. Yeah, I think for me, um, learning how to pray has been a really awesome experience. And you know, I mentioned in my story that when I first heard God calling me to be a priest, I didn't really know what to do. I didn't really know how to pray. Uh, but at the seminary, you know, each of us has a spiritual director who we meet with every two or three weeks, you know, a priest who's kind of like a, a master of the spiritual life who kind of guides us and lets us lets us see how, how God is working in our life and just kind of teaches us how we can respond to that working of the Lord and how we can pray better. Um, one, one method of prayer I really like is Lectio Divina, um, just praying with the scriptures, you know, putting myself into the scene, you know, praying with the gospels and just being there with Jesus and getting to know him as a real person who loves me. Um, that's been probably the, the best part of my formation so far at the seminary. And, you know, as a priest, you know, priests have to pray. And if a priest doesn't pray, if the priest doesn't have that relationship with God, well, how can he bring others into a relationship with God if he doesn't have that himself? And so that's something that is really important and something that, you know, I need to make sure I, I really work on before, God willing, I'm ordained to the priesthood three years from now. Um, one challenge kind of, kind of related to this is just having consistency in prayer and with all the busyness of our day and we have so many things going on, whether it's academics or different conferences or, you know, doing the radio show, uh, <laughs> or, or apostolate, apostolate on Thursdays. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's such a busy schedule that sometimes it's hard to, to find time to pray, but, you know. It just, it's a matter of, of the will of just saying, you know, I know that this is important. I know this is what I need to do. And so whether it's I need to wake up early, whether it's I need to just sacrifice something else that I'd rather be doing, you know, I need to make sure I have the time to pray. Um, and that's something that I need to continually, you know, get better at because ultimately that's, that's all that matters is that relationship with God. Praise God. Well, you guys are listening to the Vocation Hour, and I'm Father DeLacy, the host of the show. So this is the Vocation Hour. I'm Father Delisi, the host of the show. We have two awesome seminarians here uh, that are sharing their vocation stories. And uh, uh, if, uh, if if you want to meet them in person and you're a guy thinking about the priesthood, uh, we have Come and See Weekends coming up. So um, if you know someone that should be discerning a call to the priesthood, invite them to consider coming to the one of the Come and See Weekends. And then you can get in touch with, with me or, or find out about the Come and See Weekend by going to the heedthecall.org website. One thing that could be very effective is if you know someone in this category and you have their email address, go to the website, get the link, email that to your, your friend or the person that you know, and then you're putting them in, in direct contact with a very powerful tool that can help them to figure out where God's calling them to. I actually, we were joking about basketball uh, before, but I, I actually had a serious question connected to that, and that is there is a, a pretty cool tournament that you guys were involved with. And I actually had, I, I think I, I went on retreat 
before I heard all the details. So okay. painful or glorious. Uh, <laughs> uh, so d could you tell the, the, the listeners about the tournament and then how did we do? Yeah, Father, I, I think the uh, the pain might be coming to the forefront <laughs> here. Um, so we participated in uh, the Mundelein Seminary Basketball Tournament. Mundelein is a seminary, another seminary out in Chicago, and every year there are 16 seminary teams who fly out to Chicago to participate in this tournament. Uh, I think for both of us, me and Shane, this was our first year playing in the tournament, um, and we had a lot of fun, and it was awesome to you know meet other seminarians from different parts of the country uh, and just have fun and play basketball, which is what we love to do. Um, we started out, started out strong. We won our first game. Uh, but then it went a little bit downhill from there. We lost the last two, uh, and we didn't make the playoffs. But we stuck around, and we watched all the all the games after us, and it was just pretty exciting. The energy there was awesome, really dynamic. Um, and, yeah, I look forward to going back next year. I, I just want to go on the record, though, Father, and say the teams that we lost to finished third and fourth. <laughs> okay. In, uh, okay. In the tour so we were by far the toughest division in the whole tournament. Yeah. That um, makes total sense. So that's, that's part of the reason why we didn't make the playoffs. Well, at least I'll, I'll tell myself that's why we didn't make it's the playoffs. Good that they had some significance there. Then that, yeah. uh, otherwise, if they were like the second last, <laughs> and that means that means that we came like fifth place. That's great. Fifth out of sixteen. That's, that's, that's pretty good. Self-declared fifth place. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. Well, well, good. And then you know. I, that that should highlight too, like just the well-roundedness of the formation program here. So you know, talk, what what are some other kind of outlets for recreation and 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 you know personal interest that that you see seminaries kind of engage in or that you engage in yourself? Uh, well, one aspect kind of related to the vocational office and ties in the basketball too is I I run the basketball outreach program for the vocational office for Philadelphia where. Um, a group of Philadelphia seminarians, we go to different parishes across the Archdiocese and play basketball with high school kids as kind of an outreach program, but also just kind of a, a way for us to to encounter the people of the Archdiocese in a different way. And the seminary is very supportive of that, which is a real blessing for all of us to kind of meet the people we'll one day, God willingly, serve. And kind of that informal setting, I think, helps build bridges. Um, on top of that, guys love playing chess around the seminary. Uh, we have a volleyball league and a dodgeball league, as well as a basketball league throughout the year. Um, I yeah, I don't have much more to add to that. I guess we, we watch TV. We like to watch sports. Um, I guess uh, the choir is a big activity around here. A lot of guys like to sing in the choir, play instruments. Um, yeah, we're just normal guys doing normal things and discerning God's call in our life. Don't you think dodgeball is too rough in a seminary? Well, Father, funny you should say. I, first, first game of the year, I got I got crushed in the head with a dodgeball. Oh ball. no! <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was thinking I was thinking maybe I don't want to play anymore. But I, I, I yeah, I think my team made the playoffs this year. I can't remember. We didn't win, but I can't. Yeah. can't remember the amnesia. Yeah, the amnesia. I'm still, I'm still recovering my uh, my memory here. But, uh, <laughs> But I, I was joking about it. It's 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 these are kind of good manly men and that type of thing. They they, they a few of them were trying to encourage me to uh, incorporate axe throwing as <laughs> as, as a discernment um, outing and and that they would volunteer to be the seminarians for it. So I, I was intrigued by that idea. I haven't engaged it yet, but I but I actually do like that idea. I just think it's. Every guy should know how to throw an axe, because <laughs> you just never know when uh, when the occasion calls for that. But <laughs> well, anyway, you're listening to the Vocation Hour, and uh, uh, we have two uh, awesome seminarians who are men of God who responded yes to the call that 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 God put in their hearts, and they continue to be open to that call and continue to to be respond, you know, responding to that. So so praise God for that. Um, so you know. In today's day and age, you know, like like there's the sense that you know God is is calling plenty of vocations, but there's still not a hundred percent from our general sense of things. There's still not a hundred percent of of responding yes. Why why is it so hard for today's men and uh, to respond to a call to the priesthood in religious life, or to, today's women to call respond to a call to religious life? What what makes that hard? I I think kind of tying back into the the mode of silence that we were talking about earlier in the um, the show uh, that 
the world we live in today doesn't really appreciate silence and it kind of drowns it out and i know from personally myself and then my my younger sister and watching my nieces and nephews grow up um i, I think that the culture of social media kind of has something to do with that too where uh children nowadays kind of get lost in like this split personality of having one thing online and being another person and that just at least to me makes it kind of seem a little bit harder to really one realize your true identity and as a child of god and two in that identity be able to realize that god's calling you to something great he's calling you to holiness and he's calling you to a pathway to achieve that holiness um and i think that we just kind of have to step back and encourage especially young people to kind of step back too from that culture and just kind of build their true identity. Yeah, I think similar to that, you know, it's it's really hard sometimes to to see past like the um, the, the emphasis on pleasure and just having fun and instant gratification that our culture uh, presents to us. And you know, ultimately, our vocation is a path to holiness. God has made us because He wants us to be with Him forever in heaven. And you know, I think it's it's obscured sometimes that that idea that you know nothing really matters except for this call to be with God forever and I, I think maybe some some vocations are hard to see because people are so focused on you know how can I have fun how can I have a good time how can I you know get the most out of this life on this earth without really considering that you know life on this earth is not the end-all be-all but we have a, a life forever with God to to prepare for so I think that's uh, one reason that it, it could be hard to discern a vocation in our, our current time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so either related to that challenge or, or and then you guys already started to do that. What what recommendations do you give to our listening audience in general? Because everyone is is called to do God's will. That's what that's that's really what makes one holy is the extent that we're doing God's will. Um, so you know how how can people in general uh, you know be discerners of God's will in a more effective way and then you know possibly what particular advice would you give to a man who's being called to the priesthood yeah well I think you know and I've been emphasizing this a lot it's just prayer is so important and you know one concrete piece of advice I would give in this regard is that it's important to be consistent in prayer so whether you're gonna you know agree to pray five minutes a day ten minutes a day twenty minutes a day an hour a day whatever it is you know kind of set that routine for yourself and stick to it because you know one truth of the spiritual life is that um, you know sometimes when we're praying it, it feels great it feels good it feels like God is right there and you know it's so easy for us to live virtuously or to see his will or to follow him but then other times when we pray it's almost like God's nowhere to be found it's almost like we have this kind of dryness in our soul and it's not as easy to see his presence what I want to encourage the listeners to do is to you know, remain steadfast in that period of dryness. You know, set aside a time for prayer and stick to it, whether it's going good or whether it's going bad, because God is always trying to work, and he always is at work in your life, whether you perceive that work clearly or not. And I think if you just, you know, decide on a time to pray every day and you stick to it, then you will, you will see in that silence, like we were talking about, God revealing himself to you. But it's so important to stick through the dryness. You know, I heard it said once that those who experience dryness in prayer are the people who pray. In other words, some people, when they experience dryness, they just stop praying altogether. And it's only those who are really dedicated to prayer who experience dryness because they're willing to stick through it and remain with the Lord and continue to ask Him what His will is for them. So I think that that consistency and that dedication to prayer, no matter how long of a prayer period it is, is so important for discerning our vocation. Mm-hmm. Well said. Well said. Thank you. Um, I think in addition to that, um, the need to kind of foster good, healthy relationships too, um, especially for young men discerning the priesthood or young women discerning religious life or think God may be calling them to one of those paths, um, have, having people that you can speak to, that you can kind of say that I, I'm considering this, that God may be calling me to do this, and trust that they they won't cut you off or they won't judge you, but they, they would support you. Um, I know for me personally, during my discernment, that was one of the biggest obstacles I had to get over. Uh, for the longest time, I didn't tell anyone that 
I thought God maybe wanted me to be a priest. And I, I think the devil kind of used that to kind of distract me from what my call could be and try to derail God's plan for me through that, through that fear that I would be looked at a different way or judged because, um, and just not, not to let that fear overcome you, to, to speak it out, to let people know. And they, the sermon isn't just a, a you thing or just something that you do on your own. It's, a, it's kind of a group effort. And God places people in your life to kind of help you get through that, that path or to kind of walk this path of life and just kind of trust in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Praise God. That that's so powerful. And just, uh, just one more comment for prayer. And and this is a fruit of my retreat. So, like, I, I lied to you that I I, I wasn't going to give you any more details about my retreat. But here here we go. So, so you could tell it was a very fruitful retreat. And the the retreat director who is uh, Deacon uh, Jim Keating, uh, very dynamic. At one point, he holds out his phone. He says, "You know, we turn Jesus into an idol." of our phone you know essentially like what's and what what does or, or, or no no I, I didn't say it correctly there what we impose an idol on on jesus because we're being formed at some level by our phones and that idol is immediacy and so because if we think about it like what does our phone do for us like we want to get in touch with someone uh we, we can text them right away we can call them right away if we need a ride we just kind of hit an app and, and we get a ride right away if we want food we hit another app and we get food right away if we want to play a game it's right there it's like so information you know like we're it used to be back back in the day when i was when i was growing up and the dinosaurs still roamed the <laughs> earth uh, if, if you didn't know something you had to go to the library like now you just google it right it's just like immediacy so then the the idol part you know an idol is something that we create to worship right so so you know like the the pagans they create all kinds of idols and and that, that at one level that's that's that seems okay at one level because they they don't have to reveal truth for us it's dangerous when we impose an idol on Jesus or swap out an idol for Jesus because then we're not relating to him in an authentic real way and that idol of immediacy where we're like Lord I just prayed and it's been three seconds. What are you waiting for? Why don't you answer the prayer? What's wrong? Like, aren't aren't you God? What's wrong with you? Aren't you doing your job correctly? You know, like, like and that we expect that immediacy. And then, what does God? What is Jesus's response? He's like, No, I call you to like routine. I call you to ordin ordinariness. It's just that day in, day out, like kind of punching the clock. It may be dry. It may be you know fruitful or whatever. But just that 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 ordinariness encounter with 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 our Lord in that routine, where sometimes there's no fireworks at all. There might not be anything exciting that's happening, but it's just simply, you know, this this kind of ordinary, you know, you know, incarnational encounter with our Lord, because He doesn't want to enable our 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 sense of entitlement, you know, with Him and that type of thing. He doesn't want to enable any bad habits. He's he's basically saying, if we're like Lord, we need, want you to respond immediately. He's like. Whoa! Wait a second. I'm God, and you're not. <laughs> I'm going to respond on on my timeline, and 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 our response needs to be yes, Lord. You you are God, and and it's got to be your way, not the way we want you to act, but the it's got to be your way. So so that that if if we're not praying, if we're not experiencing the the, the dryness, if we're not putting the time in, um, you know what is you know. What's missing in our spiritual lives, and are we giving enough time of prayer? So that's that's very important. So this is a great a bit. It's been an awesome show. We we're starting to wind down a little bit here. Um, you know, if you, if you want to connect with me, or if if you're someone discerning a call to the priesthood, reach out to me at heedthecall.org. Please come out to celebrate Mary's Yes. That's for everyone. We need the entire church to be vocation promoters. Sarah International is a dynamic organization to, you know, to, to help to form lay people into promoters of vocations so we can be more effective. And when we celebrate Mary's Yes, the powerful sign value of several thousand people gathering to pray the rosary 
the sign value that that will be for potential discerners will be very inspiring if they know the men and women who are called, if they know how much the church loves them and, and wants to support them, uh, we'll, we'll see a fruitfulness. So, so I'm asking everyone listening, if you're listening to this right now, it's probably because God wants you to come to March the 25th at 7 o'clock. And then most likely, because we know how God works, right? This is totally how God works. Not only does he want you to come, he wants you to invite as many people as you can be there. So be part of the, the movement, right? There's different types of yes we can get, give to God, right? You know, I'm sure everyone listening is giving like the less like the type of yes, like, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a small, tiny yes, right? And then a bigger yes is like, that's a good idea. If I can make it, I'll try to go. A bigger yes is, that's a good idea. I think that's God's will. And I'm going to clear my schedule to make this a priority and I'm going to go. An even bigger yes is, see, see the difference of yeses? An even bigger yes is I'm going to go and I'm going to be faithful and recruit as many people as I can. An even bigger yes is I'm going to go and discern, should I be a member of Sarah? Should I be part of the movement that's solving the problem of vocations? Should I own this problem? That's a bigger yes. And then obviously, we're always trying to reach the level of Mary's yes. Her yes was total and complete and without any no. Most of the time when we say yes, it's like a yes with a no, right? Like, like you know, and, and we all struggle with that. That's all what we're trying to do. But we're called to give God that, you know, that, that perfect yes. And Mary's the best teacher of that. And where the place where we learn from Mary how to say yes, the best place is the rosary. So come on out on March the 25th and, and let's cultivate the strongest, most powerful yes from everyone listening. That's what it takes to build up a culture of vocations and to inspire others to respond to whatever vocation they have. If everyone's responding to their vocation, we'll have plenty of priests, pr plenty of religious, and life will be easy. And I can like slow down. I can work less hard. You know, so not that that's the most important thing here, but <laughs> it's also something I would like to. But anyway, <laughs> so guys, we're we're winding down here. What what are some of the last words of wisdom that you would uh, you would share with our listening audience? Uh, trust trust that God wants you to be a part of Him, and that He's called you to that holiness. And respond yes, like Father said. Beautiful. I would say, um, remember that God said yes to you first, and that's why you can say yes to him. Beautiful, beautiful. And then find the time for silent prayer, and pray consistently, and then surround yourself with good, holy people. We need community, as what Shane was saying earlier, um, and you know, it's, it helps you to make you a healthier priest. It just helps you make you a healthier disciple if you surround yourself by a, a good community, and, and so we praise God. So let's, let's close with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you for the gifts that you give to us. We thank you for the gift of our vocation. And we ask that through the imitation of Mary and that through her motherly care, we can respond yes to the vocation that you give to us so that we can be all the more perfectly united with your Son and animated by the Holy Spirit as we ask all these things in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for all that you do for building up a culture of vocations. God bless you. Talk to you soon.